Welcome to The Nathan Berry Show, Episode 9. One of the best things about teaching is seeing your ideas put into action. That's exactly what I've got in today's episode. It took three people who had all read authority and then went on to write successful books using the principles in authority. I brought them together for a live call and we just talked about their process writing the books, what they learned, any surprises they had, and it was a lot of fun. So let's get into it. This is part one of the Authority Success Stories. Enjoy. So what I want to do first of all is the idea behind this hangout that we're doing is just to tell some stories and talk about the process of self-publishing, maybe what each of you guys learned, um, reading authority, how you got inspired to, to start. Um, but first of all, let's just go down the list and, uh, give us a quick, you know, 30, 60 second background on yourself. Um, what you do for work, maybe what you're doing before you wrote a book and then, uh, and tell us what your book is and I'll drop the links into the chat. So Brandon, you are first in line according to uh, how everyone's heads are showing up on the screen. So go ahead. Okay, Doug. Yeah, my name is Brandon Hilker, and I'm a Rails developer uh, full-time. And I um, have been doing that. I've been in technology for about 10 years doing Rails development for three or four. And I wrote a book called Build Ruby Gem. And the book is all about uh, building Ruby gems, um, specifically around open source software. Uh, pretty technical book. There's a lot of code in it. Um, I released the book at the end of March, I uh, spent about three months working on it and, and read authority last summer. And that's what really got me going, uh, on the self-publishing, um, project. Nice. So now you are, uh, are you working at a company full time or? Yeah, I work at a, a SAS CRM called pipeline deals and I worked there prior and still work there now. And so this was a, a complete side project doing nights and weekends, um, you know, just trying to fit in and where I could. I, I'd been thinking about the concept for the book for a while, so the, the ideas were in my head, uh, had been for a couple of years since my experience getting started with open source uh, about three years ago. So, you know, the pain of, of what the book actually solves was something that was, was in the back of my head, and I, I knew there wasn't tons of documentation and, and uh, material around solving that problem for people or helping them through the process. And so that, you know, when when thinking about writing a book uh, came about, that kind of popped out to me, and that's that's you know was one of the strongest uh, topics that you know I headed towards. Nice. All right, Jason, you're next. Yeah, uh, my name is Jason Rodriguez. I am a web designer. Uh, I currently work at a company called Litmus that builds software for email marketers. Um, prior to that, I worked in the agency setting, and I did email marketing and front end design for. Uh, a couple of big companies, um, and I'd always kind of thought about writing a book, um, and finally bit the bullet when, after I read Authority and kind of used that as motivation to write a book called Modern HTML Email, which is all about the process of designing and actually coding HTML emails for uh, desktop, mobile devices. Uh, it has very strong focus on responsive email design, um, which emails a very kind of underserved market right now as far as education goes. So. It was, uh, it was a really good market to get into, and it's done pretty well and kind of opened up a lot of doors for me. Nice. All right, Samuel. 
I'm a longtime UX designer and consultant and wrote a book uh, specifically focusing on user onboarding called, unsurprisingly, The Elements of User Onboarding. Nice. All right. So let's see. Where's a good place to start? Um, I guess when you guys were each thinking about writing a book, where or what made you think it was possible? Just talk talk through like what was going on um, early on in that process. What actually motivated you? It sounds like everybody had the idea for a book for quite a while. So yeah, I want to hear hear more about that. Uh, I think uh, personally, I always kind of I never really had the specific idea for the book. It was more I wanted to write something. I just didn't know what to actually tackle. Um, and the thought of actually doing technical writing or nonfiction didn't necessarily occur to me until after I kind of started following your website and see how you went through that process. Um, so then I started looking at kind of the skill set that I had and I'd spent a number of years doing email marketing and email design, which is, like I said, not something that a lot of people necessarily talk about. So it seemed like a very easy thing to kind of get into. It's something I knew a lot about and it just kind of develop that, oh, that's what I should write a book about. So I kind of went along with the process of authority and ended up writing and self-publishing a book, and good things have happened since then. Nice. And we'll get into into all of that. But uh, Brandon or Samuel, why don't you jump in? Last year, I, I specifically remember following um, your conversations around habits, you know, and doing things every day. And you talked a lot early on about writing every day and how that changed um your habit and, and dedication towards it. And I was probably one of the people that, you know, asked five years ago, somebody asked, would you write a book? And I would say, there's, there's absolutely no way I would ever do something like that and, and didn't have the skills to do it. And so historically I wasn't a very strong writer. And, and that was one of those things in the back of my head that I thought, you know, would sort of stop me from, from self-publishing something. And so I read, you know, a lot of your posts, um, discussing email lists and, um, your your iOS app specifically, you know, just about getting into the habit of writing consistently every day. And, and that struck a chord with me. And, and obviously, you know, just doing the things I've done, I've realized, you know, practice obviously helps. And I figured I could hopefully get better by writing consistently. And so late last year, I had this very vivid moment. I was reading Authority and finished it on the beach. And it was like one of those like movie slow-mo moments where I got up and I was like, I can do this. And like, seriously, it was the first time I ever thought that that was possible. And, and it, I think authority to me broke it down in a way that was, was much less intimidating. So it took away that the idea that you needed these, you know, precious writing skills and, and all this marketing tactic to actually accomplish this, you know, to me, it was a, a very straightforward plan that I, I, I felt I could follow directions pretty well. So if, if I could do that and it was true, then, and it would work out okay. And, you know, some of the bits about editing and that kind of thing, and you know, I realized I could hire people to, to make it sound better than, Perhaps it, it came out of me sounding. So, um, you know, it the book to me made it a lot more approachable. And so uh, following reading the book, I just, you know, started a blog. I didn't have one before. So I spent about three months just posting. Um, I think at the time I was posting weekly, you know, just getting into that habit. And I, and I took your approach and I was just writing and writing and writing. And the effects were pretty quick for me to, to notice that, you know, it was a little rough. I was starting to get feedback, you know, there's typos here and there, you know, so I, I was a little more adamant about that and, and slowly it started to get better. And then I, I started getting feedback that was like, you know, I really enjoy your writing and that, that just blew my mind. And so 
to me, that was kind of like that little peak I got over that was like, wow, this is something I can do. And not only that, but I have this plan uh, that's very clearly laid out in authority to to help me follow through on the marketing, which was, you know, as a developer, which was the most intimidating part for me. You know, I felt like I had all the content to write it, but, you know, how would I ever get anybody to buy in? So that was that was where authority really came through for me. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, Samuel, you have anything to add on that before we move on to the... Sure. Yeah. My, my, my uh, um, way of coming to it was a little bit different that uh, a lot of the past projects that I've taken on have been really design or production heavy and um, not so much uh, sales heavy. And so one thing that I was really focused on with whatever my next project was going to be was actually bringing it to market and looking, you know, really focusing on um, building up, uh, as you, you know, as you have mentioned, building up an audience and, and coming up with tiered pricing, things like that. Um, that was something that I could apply to a SaaS company or I could apply to a, a really, you know, constrained product like an ebook. Uh, and I thought that taking my lumps uh, and making some rookie mistakes on creating something a lot more constrained from a product standpoint would be a good way to uh, to get my feet wet in that regard. So that's why I chose to to write an ebook. Cool. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is getting those first few subscribers. So you've got the idea to write the book. And then, you know, how do you go from no, no audience to actually getting people to pay attention and to sign up for the list? Yeah, I can, I can jump in. Um, I, I had absolutely no, 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 no audience whatsoever. I didn't even have an email list when I started. Um, I basically, you know, just decided to do it and put up a landing page to try to generate um, signups and, and generate traffic to said landing page. So I, re I distinctly remember um, my first efforts, you know, resulting in, you know, running, running into the house uh, from my office and letting my wife know that I got one sign up or two sign ups or something like that and thinking it was so cool. So um, I really remember the early days. What, what specifically did you want to like, the arc on how to get your first 50 or? Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. The first 50 or 100, what you did to get to that point. Okay, so just getting the landing page up and, you know, I guess there's kind of the calling in favors from from friends and family kind of stuff. Um, but the first strangers that signed up were largely because I uh, needed to find a way to to generate traffic for the landing page. Uh, for me, writing is is weirdly for for being the author of a book uh, a really torturously long uh, and strained uh, process and so instead of doing that um, having the ux background that i did i thought that putting up a teardown which is something that i would do for a lot of consulting projects anyway would make a lot of sense so in my case i just picked a company at random did a teardown for their onboarding experience and put it up on slideshare and then at the end of the uh, at the end of the slideshow um, sent people to a landing page and it was very much kind of duct taped together, but that was the that was the very first step, uh, toe in the water, so to speak, and that's what got me. Uh, I would say that probably got me up to my first fifty or so. Nice, Jason. Uh, mine was more a matter of using blogging and Twitter. Um, I had, I again put up a landing page pretty early on in the process, which was good, um, but I really used my blog as a way to kind of establish myself as an expert. I had kind of blogged on and off for a couple of years, but nothing really serious. So this is kind of my chance to practice that process while kind of trying to grow this audience. Um, and I had a couple of articles that I did pretty well on things like designer news or hacker news. So I got a fair amount of traffic through that, but really kind of coupling the blogging with Twitter 
worked out really well. Um, the most of the articles in my book are geared towards email marketers, which is a relatively small community in the wider tech world. Um, so they're they're all generally very friendly and outgoing and stuff. So I found it pretty surprisingly easy to get a good following both on Twitter and people that would visit my pages and follow that through to the landing page, sign up for the newsletter. Um, so it was, it was very much a process of establishing myself as an expert through blogging and kind of using social media to generate that traffic. Nice. And Brandon, you covered it a little bit already, but um, yeah, what, what worked for you for building your list? Yeah, I threw the I threw the blog up with an email subscription form for a newsletter uh, first thing, just because of all the discussion around email and how valuable it was. So um, I posted, I think one my first blog post was something you know very kind of feeling the waters out, you know, and then I posted a second one about um, it was called three ways to get started with open source software, and it wasn't language specific, but it was one of those um, things around open source that I thought was challenging, along with actually building open source software in Ruby. Um, and that, that did one of those front page of Hacker News, everybody and their mom retweeted type things. And, um, you know, that was in contrast to the first one, which was like, you know, crickets. You know, right. so having the idea that um, I had these ideas in the back of my head that I could, I could help solve this pain about getting started with Ruby open source. And, you know, then seeing people's interests um, in how to get started with open source, you know, the, the, everything was kind of lining up, you know, that sort of confirming in my head that the topic was, was valid and people were interested in. So I kind of took the next step possible. You know, I was still very reluctant to sink in a couple months into writing a book because I still wasn't, you know, I wanted to be like totally sure that not only would I write it, but, um, you know, people would actually pay for it. And I, I threw up a course. I spent, um, I think a couple hours every morning for a week straight, putting together what ultimately ended up being the first five chapters of the book. So I did a five lesson, 10 day free course and threw that up um, pretty quickly with a landing page on my blog to sort of test the waters. And to me, you know, in the back of my head, I don't know where this number came from, but I thought that if 100 or 200 people signed up for the course um, within a first little bit, that it meant that people were interested in the topic, it wouldn't, didn't necessarily mean that they would pay for it, but it meant that at least there was enough interest for me to continue and, and maybe validate some other way. So I threw the course up and I think within a couple of weeks, 600 to 700 people had signed up. And to me, that was like, that was mind blowing. So that was, that was the validation for me to continue on. And so I had, you know, the great part about it was I had all that information, those, those emails, and I started to leverage that list about what, what were the other topics that people wanted to to learn about um, because I had covered them, you know, I thought pretty well in the first, uh, in the course, which, which amounted to the first five chapters or so. So after that, it was like, you know, what are the real value adds that I can, that I can include in a book that would make it, you know, worth pulling out a credit card for. So that was how I got in my head, you know, convinced that I'm going to actually write the book. Right. So you had an email list that was separate from, so the course email list was separate from the book pre-launch email list, right? That's right. Yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. So I was like, <laughs> well, I can't, you know, do one of those sign up for MailChimp things and have them already be on the list. And then they won't get the course. So I'll just make another list because it was the, like, shortest way to get to where I wanted to go. So I created a separate list. Yeah, and, and there was some duplication and ultimately leveraged the email list um, for the feedback uh, okay. towards the book. Nice. But, you know, still kind of trickled out some 
some ideas that I was going to do the book to the main list. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I threw up a landing page for the real book, I, I created yet another list um, for uh, you know what I what I gave away to be you know some sample content and the discount code when the book launched. I did the exact same thing. I, I had two t- two totally different lists for absolutely no reason and wound up just merging them. Yeah. I've ultimately done the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, uh, I did something very, very similar where I had different lists for everything. And then um, since then, I've learned that you really want one list with like a, l- a little bit of ability to segment and be like, you know what, this is just for people who uh, who signed up specifically for the book. Like I might send out an additional reminder email to people who signed up specifically to hear about the book, you know, versus people who just signed up for a course or something like that. Um, but yeah, generally one list works better. Yeah, let's see. So let's talk about actually writing the book. So I, someone accused me recently of making that process sound too easy. And so I want to make it clear that writing a book is really, really hard. And and so I want to hear more of you know, your guys' experiences, what worked as far as actually making progress. Um, was it difficult for you? And how long did it take from start to finish? All of that. Whoever wants to jump in first. Uh, I, I can. Um, one thing for me, I'm, I'm glad that you made it sound easy. Um, <laughs> but it, one thing that I, when, when I was in the middle of writing the book, one thing I said to people over and over again, when they're like, oh, how's that going? Or, you know, things like that was that I was really glad I didn't know what I was getting myself into or I never would have started. And so nice. being really fully committed to writing the book before jumping in um, is what really got me through it. And if, if, I had, if I had really known what I was doing, uh, I probably would have decided not to do it. So uh, I'm glad that it's over with, uh, but I'm also glad that I was kind of foolish enough to start to begin with. So um, that's, that's my, my very quick take on that, actually. Yeah, for me, um, the content origi- uh, initially was came out pretty easy. So the rough draft of the book for me took probably a month. And again, I was working full time, so you know, nights and weekends, hour here, hour there. But it was largely content that I had been sort of um, tossing around in my head for years. Uh, and so it was really just about how to organize it, you know, and how how I thought people could um, kind of best digest it, you know. So the email course for me set the stage for that. You know, it was a it was an intro plus some really um, some early dive into you know how this process worked, and then uh, later on it was some real value adds for you know, integration into Rails specifically. You know, I thought was a, a big thing, obviously, for Ruby developers. So, um, yeah, it, it it wasn't too bad. Um, the pro the hardest process for me was editing. And you know, I've I read a bunch of things. I think people suggested hiring somebody. You know, I didn't I didn't really have anything set up for business or um, money in the bank. You know, for for investing into this. I really was uncertain about how this whole thing worked. So if I were to do it again, an editor would probably be one of the first things I would hire for. Um, so that was the part that was most difficult to me. The the original rough draft was pretty easy, and um, I had a, I had a handful of people. Uh, volunteer to do both like a grammatical review and then a technical review. The the book is largely uh, code, and so you know I felt that both of those were important, and I I got tons of value out of the people that 
reviewed the book. So that was, it was really awesome. But you know, when it came down to it, I ended up after I got the feedback from the reviews, I changed a lot of it, you know, based on feedback, I thought we can make it better. Their comments were awesome. So, um, I had to go over and edit it again, you know, and it was just, it was hard, you know, reading that much content. I mean, the books 130, 140 pages and just reading it, uh, you know, three, four, five, six times in a row. Like it just, you just start going a little crazy. I printed it out at Staples, you know, it was like highlighting stuff and marking through stuff. And, and then, you know, that copy was bad now cause it was old. Now I'd go print it out again and it was just, it was really crazy. So editing, hire an editor. If you can. <laughs> did Jason or Samuel, did either of you hire an editor? Uh, I did not. My wife is actually a phenomenal writer. She's a way better writer than I am. So she uh, took over the task of editing my book for me. Um, so she got a little bit lost just because it's it's a technical book. There's a lot of code in there. Um, so she would kind of uh, get lost in some of those explanations and stuff. She did a great job helping me out with just grammatical stuff and the flow of the book and make sure it's pretty accessible to actually get through. So I have to thank her for that one. Uh, I did not hire an editor. I, I had somebody sign on that. Um, it's kind of one of those things where like if somebody doesn't, uh, if you're not paying someone, you can't fire them. So um, I, I'm a, fortunately really pretty OCD about typos and, and grammar to begin with. So I pretty much just edited what, as I went through. Um, and then following on, on Brandon's uh, point about uh, reading it through a bunch of times, um, one thing that I did was decide to write uh, to record an audiobook version um, that I recorded myself, and that was really helpful to just take one final pass. If you're reading it out loud, you kind of uh, come across things that you're like, I wouldn't actually phrase it that way if it was actually coming out of my mouth or things like that. Um, and then at the end of the, the the day, you also get an audiobook out of it, which is a nice upsell. <laughs> so I'd recommend doing that. Yeah, um, a couple people are asking you know, where to hire an editor or how much they cost or that sort of thing. I'd say that a good, there's, you can find editors on Odesk or Elance and all of that and they'll work just fine. Um, you know, $25 an hour is plenty to pay an editor. Um, I'm sure you could find people who are good for less than that. Uh, don't think that hiring an editor is going to cost you like $2,000. Um, I bet you could find someone good for under 500 bucks to have your whole book edited. I think that was also part of the process that intimidated me a little bit, knowing that I could go out and hire somebody and it may just be okay, you know? And so if I had known somebody, I probably would have latched onto that a little sooner. Um, but the, the whole process of finding someone felt, felt a little large for, you know, what I was doing. I think there's kind of the thing too, where like an editor could be someone in that says, Hey, you need to rework this chapter cause it's crap or whatever versus someone that's just correcting you know, mistakes or, or typos or things like that. So uh, I don't know. I mean, is that is there a distinction between those two? Because that, that's actually something that I was curious about when I came into the process and never really found out for myself. Well, like yeah. for me, the technical editors that volunteered did a lot of that, you know, so it was like, and, and it was more structured around code, maybe because the book is largely code, but it was like, you know, introducing this later on didn't make sense. You know, they, they were probably like out of context at that point. Maybe you should you know, put this concept or this piece of code earlier on, you know, so for me, it was like placement of code was really about the flow, less about, you know, the, the grammatical stuff and the grammatical stuff is really what I struggled with just because of my, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't a, a great writer to start and I'm, I'm still trying to get better. And so that was the hardest part for me, but I guess it's largely, you know, personal, whatever your strengths are, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah, I think, um, 
I, I would do two different kinds of editing. I would get, um, you know, friends and peers to do like a technical editing, maybe one chapter at a time. Um, and that's where you're really asking, is the quality good? Am I explaining these concepts well? And then you can also hire out, you know, the writing editing. Am I using English properly? Uh, yeah. Are there typos? And I, I would go two different directions for, for that. Um, I would also be careful not to go out to too many people at once because um, they're all going to catch the same things. Uh, you know, this is something in usability testing where if you have software tested by five people, they're all going to catch 80% of the same bugs. And you can't get past those until, you know, and start catching new bugs until you fix the first ones. So, yeah, I think that's enough on editing. Um, let's see. So, I guess let's talk about uh, launch. So maybe the final part of building that email list and uh, actually launching a book. Do I need to pick somebody? I'll go. Uh, I I pretty much, you know, pulled the authority marketing plan straight from the book and followed it exactly as printed. You know, I, I um, early on offered that discount code, so I was building up the list. I was I was keeping in touch with the list, showing progress. You know, taking pictures of Staples printouts. You know, with markings through them, and um, you know, just trying to show that I was making progress. And here's the couple chapters that I you know kind of worked through this weekend. And then you know that final sequence. Uh, just about I think one of the things that I kept having to remind myself is is in the book you made a point to say give away a lot of content and give away your best content. And that was that found counterintuitive to me. And it was like, well, what's going to be left? But, you know, ultimately the best content is different to each person. And so I took uh, the strongest chapters, you know, and every week for about four weeks leading up to the book, dropped one chapter at a time. And they generated a huge amount of buzz. And then that week of, I did exactly, you know, what was mentioned in authority, which was just let people know, remind them, give them, you know, all the details about the packages and then day of, you know, here it is a couple hours before here's to the people who didn't buy, here's the discount code. It's going to end soon. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. And it worked. Nice. Um, so tell a little more about how, how the launch go, like how big was the email list? Um, you know, what did you do on pricing and then how did, how did sales go? The, Again, I, I, you know, not knowing any better, I just did exactly what Authority printed, which was create tiers. You know, last minute, I kind of scurried around to make screencasts, knowing that that was going to be the highest tier. I had three tiers. One was the book, one was the book plus the code. And the last one was the book, uh, the code, and um, 14 screencasts. So I, I kind of packed those in the last weekend before the launch. But um, thankful I got it done because, as as suggested, it brought in the highest uh amount of revenue um, with the lowest amount of sales. So um, I think the list uh, at launch was around 650 for the book itself. And then my newsletter was a little bigger than that just from the blogs and everything. So I didn't annoy those people as much, but I uh, hammered the book list pretty hard based on all the, the sequence of emails that you suggested. Do you have uh, some launch numbers that you can share? Yeah, so I think... Day of sales were a little over eight thousand um, dollars, and I don't have 
a I, I haven't quite figured out because of the the newsletter lists were a little different. I haven't quite diffed the um, you know, who bought off the list. I think it was somewhere around fifteen to twenty percent of the people that had signed up for the beta urge uh, for the discount code. Right, it was separate from the course. Again, a different list. So of the people that signed up to have the discount code, uh, those are the number of people that bought. Got it. Um, yeah, we'll get into how sales have done since then. But uh, uh, Jason, you want to go next and yeah, after uh, launch and the numbers. Absolutely. Yeah, my launch uh, was a little bit different. I am admittedly a little bit lazier when it comes to marketing, um, especially email marketing, which is weird because I work in the email marketing industry. Um, so leading up to launch through the landing page and my blog post, which I had email sign up forms on there. Um, I only had a, a little over 200 people on my list. Um, so I didn't, I didn't do a lot leading up to that. I sent out a few emails like, Hey, I'm going to launch this the next week or two. Um, then launch day, I sent out an email to that list and let them know it was available. Um, and I think that first day I only got about 25 or 30 sales, which was a couple hundred bucks based on my pricing. Um, but then I got a little bit of a bump later on in the week. It was uh, featured in sidebar.io, um, which resulted in uh, got almost $1,400 in revenue after that, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, my I was very kind of lazy about marketing and stuff. My, my pricing is a little bit different. I didn't really follow the tiered approach that you kind of suggest. I have... Uh, two options for buying it. One is the digital version, which is 15 bucks, and then I also offer a print version for 20. Um, so I didn't have any packages beyond that. All the codes contained within the book, everybody can access it. Um, and the offering of the print version has worked out kind of strangely. Um, but I think the next, I, I kind of have plans for a second book in the future. So I think at that point, I definitely want to experiment more with the kind of authority model of having different tiers and doing video packaging, different packages that I can sell at high rates and see how that works out well. Because obviously, it's worked out pretty well for you guys. Yeah, I think there's a difference between maximizing for revenue and maybe, um, which is what the tiered pricing really mm -hmm. does well versus selling a book in a more traditional way. Yeah. And, and you're definitely... Uh, like your pricing scheme and that kind of thing is is much more normal for what someone would expect from mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of that too is I, I almost feel like at this point in retrospect, I feel like I've kind of sold myself short in that manner. Um, I, I think I kind of underpriced a little bit than what I probably could have charged, which kind of sucks at this point, but I mean, it's kind of, I learned a lesson, you know, so I kind of want to experiment more with that in the future for future launches. Um, let's see. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we can get into pricing a little more later, but Samuel, let's talk about your launch. Sure. So I built my list up to a little under 6,000 subscribers. Uh, once again, it was sort of the mashup list between two lists that shouldn't have been two different lists to begin with. Um, uh, so I sent that, yeah, so that's what I launched to. I also did a lot of legwork in Get sending out advanced copies so that not only would I be launching to a list, but I'd also be um, showing up on Twitter from a lot of different influential people and things like that. Um, and so launch day, I really messed up my tiers big time, and I also really did not spend enough time on my sales page. I was like literally editing my book up until hours before the launch, which was a gigantic uh, boneheaded mistake. So I made um, a little bit over $7,000 on launch. And then 
um, things have gotten better since then, but that was that's where that's where I landed. Um, you say you really messed up the tiered packages. Uh, can you talk a little more about that or the pricing? Yeah, so it was it was kind of a combination between the tiers and the sales page, where the sales page didn't really um, communicate the value of the different tiers very clearly and effectively, um, and then the tiers themselves were priced in such a way that. Um, I thought, well, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot, especially with pricing as you go in and you really just don't know what the market's going to respond with. Um, but in, in my particular case, people just sort of, I got a lot of feedback, like people were saying, you know, the, their mental calculator was coming out and they were just trying to think like, is it really worth an extra $250 to go up from one tier to the other, things like that. And, um, you know, in retrospect, I wish I had priced it a little bit more of a no brainer. Um, and then another thing, like Brandon mentioned, having a discount. I'm not sure if Jason had a discount on lunch or not, but mine was. I did it now. Yeah, mine was 10%. Uh, I don't know what Brandon's was, but I'm guessing it was more 20. than 10%. Yeah, I would really recommend. It's kind of like, you know, do it right or or don't bother kind of a thing. Where 10%, I thought it was a motivating uh, percentage, and I got a lot of feedback that it really wasn't. So. I would I would definitely recommend like 15 at the least and 20. It's not, it's not a time to be stingy, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing is you have no cost of goods sold for your downloadable ebook. So I'd say if you're going to offer a discount, I wouldn't really do less than 20% because uh, you know, you want to reward your early buyers um, and and you want to motivate them to make a, a purchase cuz when you get into you know, adding some kind of urgency, like the sale ending. If a 10% off sale is ending on a $39 book, I don't really care. 20% off, that, that'll motivate me, but 10% just, it just doesn't. So I, I literally heard, like people emailed me with that exact same sentiment uh, more than once on launch day. So yeah, exactly. I, I can speak from experience on that one. I hope you enjoyed that, and uh, I hope you're a little closer now to writing your own book and building your audience. You know, I hope those guys showed you that with the right plan and training, you can build a profitable audience, write a book that makes money, uh, all of that. They did it with the help of Authority, which you can pick up if you go to nathanberry.com authority. That link and all the others we talked about are in the show notes, which you can find at nathanberry.com slash episode nine.